each one of us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Good morning. Uh, welcome to Step Right with Lynn. Today I'm looking forward to chatting with my guest, uh, Sandra O'Hagan. Uh, she's a personal trainer who has found a way to use her business um, to help to give back to the community and is making that a way of life. Um, please feel free to email me anytime, lynn at stepright.ca, that's L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T, um, so email me anytime after the show um, or during the show. That would be fine. Um, I'm interested in your comments and your questions, uh, any suggestions that you would have uh, for guests on the show or for topics that you'd like to see covered. Uh, so today, the title of the show is Finding the Fit. How does adopting a charity help define corporate identity? What does it mean when a person finds a charity they feel passionate about? What does it mean to them when they can use their business to support that cause? How does that make the person feel? How does it impact the organization receiving the support? How does it impact the decisions that are made for the business? How does it impact the perception of the customers? And that's what we're going to discuss today uh, with my guest, Sandra O'Hagan. Um, after a life-threatening event, uh, Sandra left her 30-year corporate management career to focus on all things wellness. As an avid researcher, lifelong learner, and fitness and wellness enthusiast, it made it a natural fit to turn that passion into her next career as she started her business called So Full of Life, Fitness and Wellness. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning, Lynn. How's your day going so far? So far, so good. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. Um, before you started your own business, Sandra, what were you doing then? How how were you employed? Well, I spent 30 years as a credit manager, and uh, about the last 13 years I was a credit manager for a very large uh, multi-billion dollar public company, and uh, I looked after the Canadian credit department. So I had a big team, a big group of people, and big responsibilities. Um, so what was it that that motivated you to make this big change and start your own business? Well, as you mentioned in uh, my bio, I, I did have a life-threatening event in uh, 2009. I had something called a cavernoma, which is a bleed in the brain, and I was left with uh, left side deficit, so I I couldn't walk independently. I um, lost my couldn't lift my left arm. Had some speech impairment, and uh, ended up with a vacation and some time off work for the first time in my very 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 long career. And um, I during that time. I worked very hard just to get back to work. That's all. I just wanted my life back to the way it was. And uh, once I got it back, I realized that there just had to be more. There just had to be more. And I didn't know what that more was entirely. 
but it put me on a path of reassessing what I was doing and the stress that I had in my life and whether I wanted it. And um, I was a very passionate fitness person, and it really just started me on a path to to find this this passion and follow that passion and uh so began so full of life fitness and wellness and that's how my business got uh got started i did return to work and i worked for about a year and a half after uh, i was ill and uh then i quit to start my business so um at at the time be- before you had the um before you had this this bleed in the brain, were you already very physically active at the time? I really was. Yeah, I was. I was. I was a much fitness junkie. I hadn't been all my life. I really only started probably in my forties, and I got sick around in, when I was about forty-eight. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was. I was at the gym regularly, and I was very active, very fit, which actually I think helped a, a great deal in my recovery. And uh, so I was quite active. Hmm. So so that that period of time what really kept you going through that um that recovery how long was that period of time of the recovery The recovery wasn't that long it was a matter of weeks physically to get my physical body back in shape uh not in shape okay. because I'd lost all my muscle mass I mean you immediately start losing muscle mass when you can't move properly so it was a matter of week get be able to walk um, independently and and be able to, you know I walked with a bit of a limp for quite a while I still had some some problems for up to about a year but really most of it most of my recovery eighty five percent was probably in a matter of weeks mentally it took me a little bit longer I did end up taking some extra time off work I ended up off work for three months. And that was really just to, because I suddenly had time off and found out what it was like to not have those responsibilities for the first time in my in, in almost 30-year career. So I took some extra wow. time off and and uh, enjoyed enjoyed having that break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, n- you n- never known what it was like to have a moment to think before that, I guess. Eh? I had no That's idea. What it seems like. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea exactly. Yeah. Um and, and what kept you going through that? Just you just had a determination to to get yourself back to work. Yeah, I think that once I knew I was going to uh one I once I got past the point of fearing the death part because originally, I mean there was a moment in time where, you know, it was a life or death situation. Once I got past that, I just always knew that I would be okay and that I would recover and that I just was very driven, very focused, um, and and did a lot to uh, speed up my recovery. I worked very hard at it to make sure that I could get back to where I was. So I think, um, yeah, I'm just a very determined person. So having um, going on that knowledge that there was a paycheck coming in every week to making this transition to being mm-hmm. in business, how did that feel? Well, I say to people, it was absolutely the single most terrifying, biggest decision of my life. Uh, Yeah, I had worked for 30 years, never had a break in my employment. I didn't know. I had never been unemployed. I'd never lost a job. I was very fortunate to have just had a great career, and I loved my Mm -hmm. career. I, I absolutely did love it. Um, so it was a terrifying transition, and you're right, that steady paycheck, that money always being in the bank was, was 
it was sort of it was taken for granted. I will admit, I really took that for granted. So, it was the single biggest decision of my life, bigger even than having children, getting married, all of those things. This was the biggest thing I'd ever decided to do to quit my high-paying job and do this. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I would say terrifying is the the, the word Ter- for it. <laughs> terrifying. And but so exciting at a, the same time. It, yeah, exciting and terrifying. Yeah. Um tell us a bit about your business now. So now I I run a small fitness studio. I have about 800 square feet of space in my home and uh fully equipped with washroom uh and so on and and showers for clients. And I'm a personal trainer and I do fitness classes and I do wellness events. I uh, also have a small women's networking group that I run once a month. And uh, so I do a number of things all surrounding fitness and wellness. Mm-hmm. And so what would what would you tell, what advice could you give people um, who are contemplating making a, a big change in their life like you did at that time? Well, you know, my first year it was like, do it, you know, it's so much fun, the freedom, it's fantastic. But in the first year, you typically have the resources and finances and, you know, I had saved well, invested well, my life was good, I was in a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone told me three to five years, Sandra, it's going to take three to five years to get your business been running. And I, I gave myself one year. I, I was mm-hmm. ambitious and motivated, I'd be fine. Uh, so I think my advice for people is don't listen to anyone who says you can do it in a year because it takes longer. <laughs> three to five, <laughs> three to five is really realistic. Um, mm-hmm. I think really stay focused, keep moving forward. Don't let the setbacks define or or change how you feel about the passion. Don't lose the passion. Um, it's easy to have that happen. It's easy to fall into the traps of the setbacks and go, wow, this really is a drag and and uh, I'm not sure I want to keep doing this. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs step back into the work world because it is so very hard. Um, mm-hmm. The part that you love, the passion, and we all had passion in our jobs too. Uh, I was in a wonderful position where I hired people who were good at the things I wasn't good at. So I was surrounded by a fantastic team. Well, I'm solo now. <laughs> I don't have people to help me with the stuff that I really dislike. And when I have right. computer problems and things like that, those are setbacks for me. They really make mm-hmm. me feel inadequate. And I think you just have to keep on the course and keep the passion that got you started in the first place. That That's probably my biggest advice is keep the passion. Yeah, I think that's very good advice. Um, so what started you on the road to become a socially conscious entrepreneur? Well, I think that, um, you know, I, I went from this big corporate environment and I had these corporate blinders on where everything was this corporate focus and so on. And then I suddenly went to a, a an entrepreneur in a community that I wasn't really that familiar with. I had been you know, sort of disassociated with my own community for many years so I had to come back to community. I had to um I knew that I wanted to be part of this entrepreneurial community and and for me it was it was about where do I fit now? Who am I? Sort of regaining an an identity that I didn't really have. 
And I really wanted to become community-spirited. I wanted to know more about what was going on in my backyard because I had been away from it. And uh, so I think it was really about where do I fit here now? And that's Mm -hmm. how I got started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, being an entrepreneur can be lonely. Absolutely. No question. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and so this... Um, you know this desire to connect with with the community. Uh, I can see where that um, had come from. Um, so, what had your what had you done as far as giving in the past? Well, lots of things actually. You know, I I made corporate donations, deductions from my paycheck for different causes. Um, I wrote checks when I was asked for them. I handed over money when it was requested. Uh, you know, wherever there was a need, I was there. I was very giving. But it mm-hmm. came because I had the means, so it didn't have an attachment to it. It was, it was. Uh, I mean, it did. I felt for things and causes and so on, but it, it was just different. And and years ago, I had I had been involved in volunteerism before I had my children, and I had just sort of stepped away from actual, actually volunteering or being part of something. And just if anyone asked for money, I gave it to them. That was really my mm-hmm. my uh, giving in in the years prior to starting this business. Right. So so you would give money, but you you weren't really involved in where that money was going. Exactly. Would that be okay. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I guess that was the piece that was missing is that that. You know, you had no awareness of of how that money was used in in that scenario. Exactly, it, it didn't have it didn't it didn't um, I didn't have a feel for it. I didn't it didn't tug at my heartstrings. I would give money certainly when there was tsunamis and things like that. Our company, because I was a um, you know company based across uh, from the U.S., you know we had different different things that we did contribute to and again payroll deductions and things like that when there was a need and we were big supporters and I was a big supporter and I felt for those people but it was just different it was because I had the means and I could do it Mm-hmm. that's great you know what it's time to go for a break already Sandra and so we'll have a quick break and then we'll come back to find out more about your inspiration thank you a contribution that you dream of making. In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. We're back. Uh, 
show today is called Finding the Fit. How does adopting a charity help define corporate identity? And my guest is Sandra O'Hagan. Um, so Sandra, what was your inspiration to keep trying to find that that fit? I think uh my main inspiration was I have a sister who um who she and her husband own a, a couple of businesses in Niagara Falls and they became they are very very charitable and they do a lot of work surrounding charity and and they do a number of events every year and and I was very inspired by their enthusiasm and their involvement in their charity and they owned it they belonged there and they owned it and they um they worked very hard for their charity and i i was very inspired by that and when they got married and they got married later in life but when they got married all of they didn't ask for presents they asked for or gifts they asked for donations to their charity and i just thought that was the coolest thing so i was very inspired by what they were doing and uh that's kind of that was sort of the path i wanted to follow yes and i guess when you um you you are pretty um involved in your charity when you think to do that when it becomes as much a part of your life that um that you think of that instead of wedding gifts absolutely yeah you know because yeah. they they made that a part of their day um you know so obviously you know it's very much a part of uh, a part of their life so how did you find the charity that felt right for you well, this was a challenge for me. Uh, when I started my business, almost out of the gate, I was off work maybe a couple of weeks, and I was just starting out. And the very first thing I did was contact a, com- a, a local charity that I thought was going to be the one. Uh, I went through their orientation. I went in and I volunteered, and I spent a year in that charity. And all the while, it didn't feel right, but I didn't get it. I just kept thinking, this has, this should feel right, but it didn't. And I didn't know why. But I had a friend, uh, Anne McKay, who you also know and I think have interviewed as well, Anne McKay Consulting, who does work with nonprofits. And I spoke to her one day and said, you know, I'm working with this charity. I can't tell you why it's not right, but it isn't. How do I find the right fit? Well, Anne and I had um, two or three meetings where she put me through quite a rigorous um, process to determine what my values are, how I want to align with a charity, where I would fit, and uh, it was it was quite an an interesting process and a really good one, and uh, it was worth all of the effort that she put in and I put in. And she introduced me to three charities. And um, during that process, I got to pick one of the three. And that was ended up being a house of friendship. And how did you know it was the right fit? Well, this was really very simple. It was such a warm welcome. Uh, Anne did some, first of all, I toured uh, their very humble food hamper program. And my fear of the food hamper program was I, I had this vision of all processed food and, and that didn't align well with who I am and my wellness commitment. So I kind of was fearful. But I walked into this food hamper program and I loved what I saw when I saw these big bins of potatoes and beautifully colored squash and fresh veggies and eggs and absolutely no question there was processed food. 
mm-hmm. they had a little bit of everything. They they serviced the the, the wellness side that uh, resonated with me, and we need both. They needed both. They have to feed a lot of people, but they had healthy choices, and that really made me feel great. And they they walked me around, and they were wonderful people, and they just it was just so inviting. And then um, I was introduced to Christine, who's the development director at House of Friendship. And before Christine knew me or met me, um, she inter- she invited me to come down and see their office, and and we chatted, and she took the time and introduced me to all the people there. She had no idea what I could contribute. She had no clue, but I was right. like the most important, um, you know, uh, person ever. I was just treated like. Um, that I was so special and I I felt so great about just being there and I determined and realized that that what I needed was a lack of corporate feel. I wanted to be Mm. away from the corporate environment that I had been so involved in and when I went there, they didn't have big signs, they didn't have fancy buildings, they just have facilities that get them through to to, to service a very, very big need. Mm-hmm. So I loved it. I loved it. That's what excited me. They're just warm and wonderful folks. Okay. So when you walked in, you found that that their um, that their values aligned with yours. Mm-hmm. In that, uh, it was the fresh foods for the health and wellness part, um, but also your values had changed to so that you wanted that to not have that corporate feel as well. I think that was huge, and I didn't know it when I first started uh, looking at charities. I had no idea, but I needed that. I needed it yeah. to be just not feel like I was in a corporate environment. And, and, I, and uh, um, uh, it also occurred to me that in this case, you want that being very involved. There's probably people who give who don't want to be involved. You know, there, there's people who who still want to just write a check, and that's okay if that's what they want. Absolutely. And, you know, when I met with them, I said, I don't know what I have to give you. I have no idea. I don't have money. I'm a startup business. So I didn't have a a donation plan. I didn't know how much time I'd have as a startup business. So I didn't really know what I could give. And out of the gate, within a very short time, um, they gave me ideas, but then I developed ideas of my own. And one of the things that that resonated a lot with with me and with House of Friendship is that their motto is building a healthy community where all can belong and thrive. And I just loved I just loved that um, building a healthy community was so important to me, and where everybody can belong and thrive, it's big. So that is huge for me. Mm-hmm. Those and, words. And so um, actually, they're their tagline building a healthy mm-hmm. community where all can combine and thrive did i get belong, it right belong belong and thrive belong and mm-hmm. and thrive yeah. uh, it's probably very close to your corporate mission i think so yeah i really do yeah. <laughs> isn't that yeah, interesting yeah very cool yeah very mm-hmm. cool yeah um yeah so what have you learned about about the community um, from being involved uh, with the House of, of Friendship and their work? Tell us a bit about their work and, and what you've learned. Well, I'm gonna I'm taking some of this out of out of their uh, brochure, but each year they serve over forty two thousand people through several programs. 
uh, in our community. These are these are people in our backyard, which is astounding to me that there's 42,000 people in need um, through their emergency food hamper program, which is the one that I support, raise money for, and am, am passionate about. They provide mm-hmm. shelter and supportive housing and aff- like support of affordable housing for residents. They actually have a couple of big apartment buildings. Um, emergency shelter and addiction services. So they have a number of um, programs. And um, for me, what I, one of the biggest things that I took away from all of this is that they are supporting ma- a lot of working poor or, or people who are gainfully employed and living below the poverty line. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I've never used a service like this. I've been so blessed. And so lucky, but I had no idea when I met them. I thought this is just for people who are homeless that don't, you know. But it isn't. It is actually for people who who are working, and but not making enough money to to live. So mm-hmm. that, that that's huge to me. I had no idea. Right, right. And in in your in your previous life, you would not have known that about your community. Absolutely not. Exactly. I had no idea. Um, so, so tell us about your fundraiser. Well, as I got more involved with House of Friendship, I did a, a bunch of different things with them, and I did some speaking and so on. But um, I, I one day decided that I would create a fundraiser, and it was all surrounding the idea that I would love to work out every single day, and I don't always. And I thought, you know, I need to get out and do something every day and sometimes I just get too busy. So I decided that I would create something called the 30 for 30 fitness challenge and that was inspiring people to do 30 minutes of activity, heart raising activity every day for 30 days. And they would track their progress, register and pay $10 and all of the proceeds would go to House of Friendship. So I created a tracking card and I hand that out to people. Then I got sponsors and people who donated fantastic prizes and it became this very exciting thing and and I've done I'm on my fourth challenge. It started June the first and we've raised over two thousand dollars. We'll be closer to three thousand after this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been really, really exciting. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. And how does that make you feel to work with this organization and and to do this? Oh, it's just, it warms my heart. I just feel so great about being able to do my little part and being able to make a contribution that I thought in the beginning I wouldn't have the means or ability to to, to do at all. And I've been able to do quite a bit. So I, I think had they not been the people that they are and the charity that they are, I wouldn't have felt so compelled to do as do what I have. But I, it just, I was just, I was they pulled at my heartstrings and it's very important to me now and uh they just they're just great people and it's a great organization. And and so how often do do you do this fundraiser? Well, last year I did it 3 times. This year I will only do it 2 times June and October. Uh because I get prizes from sponsors and I I might be wearing out my welcome, so I like to <laughs> so I'm just going to do it 2 times and and hope to get uh uh, a lot, a lot of people on board the t- twice. It was sort of just feeling it out last year to see how it went. But people 
I don't get a lot of activity in February. I got a lot of fair weather exercisers. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably won't do it in February. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you, give 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 me an excuse that it's cold outside or or whatever. You just you're just looking for an excuse sometimes. Yeah, and to, uh, and as you know, this winter was pretty tough. So trying to do a challenge uh, in February wasn't it wasn't received all that well, despite no. the fact that it was for charity. <laughs> Um, I ride I ride horses, and normally through the winter I do a lot of riding. But yeah, you're right. This past winter it was uh, it just wasn't pleasant to be outside uh, this winter. But I suppose that's not an excuse because you can always uh, you can always run on the spot or or work on a bike or walk in the mall or there's lots of things you can do. In the uh, agreed, and and that's what I certainly try to encourage, but it's not always uh, well received. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and fe- February is not an especially motivating month at the best of times. <laughs> Absolutely, we're yeah. tired of winter, and and we get the uh, we get some long gray days. Um, exactly. So it's uh, time for us to go to another break, Sandra, and then we will uh, come back and uh, and we'll learn how people can get involved with you um, next time you're running this program when we come back. Perfect. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Len focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. Welcome back to Step Right with Lynn. Uh, we're talking today with Sandra O'Hagan. Uh, she's been telling us how she has used her business uh, to support the House of Friendship, um, the Kitchener uh, chapter of that organization, uh, what she's learned about her community and how it has helped her uh, business to fit in the community and um, and how excited she is to work very closely with the organization. Uh, we've been learning about a fundraiser um, that Sandra holds um, where for $10 you can get involved and um, it's a challenge to um, be active for 30 minutes a day for 30 days. Um, Sandra, um, you'll have another one of these coming up in the fall. Yes. We're doing Uh, one right now in June and the next one will be in October. Okay, so as as far as the the challenge, people couldn't get involved right now, but I bet you'd take their $10 if they wanted to send it to you. I absolutely would, and they could get involved right now because if anybody's active in exercising, they're probably on track anyway, so they absolutely could register right now. There's some great okay. prizes at the end of the challenge, including a personal training package, um, compliments of So Full of Life Fitness and Wellness, so there's a, there's a number of um, local entrepreneurs who have contributed prizes. It's always worthwhile to, it's a win-win. You can contribute $10 to a great charity, you get active, and you could win prizes. So it's all good. Yeah. Anybody could join now. Yeah, 
Okay, well that that sounds like a lot of uh, a lot of fun. Can you tell them how they would um, contact you to get involved if they chose to? So right now they could email me at s o h a g a n s o h a g a n at so full of life dot com. That's great. And I'll um, send them the details. And again, there's no homework taken. I always say to people, I don't check homework. And, you know, you just is done on your own. The encouragement is through social media. We talk about it on Facebook and so on, who's doing what. But otherwise, it's it's uh, it's done on your own. Oh, that's great. Um, so what are your plans for the future? You know, I think my plan for the future for this, for the, my plans with House of Friendship are big. I, there's lots of things I, I still want to do with them. But in terms of the challenge, I, I, you know, my goal is that I would get it up to a thousand people. That would mm-hmm. be my ultimate goal: is that I could get a thousand people to pay ten dollars each, and every penny of that is going to House of Friendship. Uh, I don't keep any money, so it's uh, it all goes to them, and uh, that would be my goal: is that I could get a thousand people on this challenge. That would be terrific. That would be and, and what other? Um, you said you have other ideas. Um, for House of Friendship, things you want to do there? What what do those entail? Well, I've done different things with them. They have different um, um, programs that they run, uh, you know, all year. But uh, I have done some speaking at their affordable housing units. I've been in and talked to the residents and spent time there. Um, there's just different things that they do, and I, I like to be involved wherever I can, so... So it's it's very hands-on for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of it is. Um, time is always an issue. I have a funny schedule because I have clients at all different times. But, uh, yeah, wherever I can be involved, I'm there. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, One thing I didn't ask you about the challenge, does mm-hmm. a person have to live locally to get involved in that? No, not at all. But admittedly, the prizes are often very local, and so many of the services are people, providers that are local, nail services, coaching and hypnotherapy services and things like that. So those are difficult to be redeemed from a distance. Uh, I I determined pretty quickly that it was not possible to mail some of the prizes as it was cost prohibitive, and and again, it's a charity, and I'm uh, I'm not keeping money to to pay for things like right. that. So uh, there are some out-of-pocket expenses for me. But um, I think anyone who's been distanced understands that. I've I've mentioned it to people. There are some things. I mean, if they want a steep tea gift certificate, they can use it wherever they are online. So there are some mm-hmm. services, some things that they can redeem away from here. I've had um, people on the challenge from all over. Right now I've got Sault Ste. Marie. I've got Aurelia. So I've got a number of people from all over. I've had Windsor. Uh, yeah, they just get involved because they can and because it motivates them. Some people just yeah, need that little not, bit of motivation. Really, yeah, they're not getting involved so they can uh, they can win the prize. It wouldn't really be practical for them to come to their it, house for their uh, training, would it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, personal <laughs> training isn't going to do in Sault Ste. Marie, I'm afraid. No, no. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned... Um, uh, something called 12 Days of Good. What was that about? Well, 12 Days for Good uh, was a is a program through House of Friendship 
where 12 people were picked from the community or are picked from the community to support an initiative to get people to do to consciously do good for 12 themed days around Christmas. So they've oh, done it okay. the last two years, I think. And I was asked to be one of the 12. We are called do-gooders. It's in a number of people in the community, some, you know, politicians, um, radio personalities, um, lots of people who are in the community. And, and uh, there were 12 of us. And we're, we just simply do good, talk about doing good, share it on social media, and it could be any, and, this, and there's a theme every day, and you try to stick to the theme as much as you can. It can be as simple as shoveling a neighbor's driveway or walkway, to spending time at a local charity, or don- donating items of clothing. It could be anything. So the 12 do-gooders would talk about what we were doing, recruit people. We wear uh, buttons that tell everybody about 12 Days for Good. We hand out buttons and we recruit wherever we can. And and the great thing about this this initiative created by House of Friendship is that many charities have benefited as a result Mm. of the campaign because I myself went to um, the soup kitchen one day uh, and helped Mm -hmm. out there. Uh, Totally different charity, and House of Friendship is all about giving and supporting everyone in our community and every charity. So they're just a very, they're a generous giving charity, and um, so they very much encouraged supporting and and helping out wherever we could. And Mm -hmm. uh, so that was one of the campaigns that they did that really was fantastic, and I was just honored to be part of it. It was so much fun. Um, And what, what were some of the themes then for the days? Well, they do like a social theme or a com- uh, community theme or a neighbor's theme or a friendship uh-huh. theme. And there were all different. Um, I can't remember them all, but there was a, a number of different ones. So, again, if it was a neighbor theme, you might invite your neighbors over for a gathering around Christmas time and just get people together. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't about necessarily giving. It was really about spirit and um, just, you know, bringing people together and being joyful and that kind of stuff. So it was mm-hmm. it was a really so it sounds like a it was really a very cool good thing. experience. It was fantastic, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Now I've also so, been involved sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I've also been involved in a number of programs. Uh, I helped out during their annual supermarket potato blitz, which they do every February. So they get um, they gather potatoes in the supermarket. So I, uh, I helped out with that and wore a potato uh, bl- uh, vest and and shook potato maracas and had great fun doing that. And I helped out with their Trek for Kids fundraiser to help send kids to camp. I I went out and and did a little stretching routine to get the trekkers all limbered up and ready Uh to walk. And uh, I also modeled at a fundraiser that another company was doing on behalf of House of Friendship and uh, and, uh, got to know other people where I got involved in some modeling and so on. So I've just had all these great experiences. So what what's the supermarket potato blitz? So you would go are you encouraging people to donate potatoes at the supermarket or they just like come the in shoppers? and they come Yeah, the shoppers come in and then we encourage them to buy a bag of potatoes to donate back to House of Friendship. So they bought, go through and they pay for the potatoes and they drop the potatoes off at the door. So they I don't know what the numbers were, but they collected tons of potatoes. Cool. 
cool. that get distributed in the uh, in the community. And understand that House of Friendship is local. It's a it's a local charity. It's it's uh, just local to this area, and it's been around oh, okay. for seventy five years this year. That's terrific, and and yeah, so they are involved in a lot, um, a lot more than just the food too, aren't they? Absolutely, I'm heavily involved in the food part. That's sort of my uh, my personal focus. Now I've helped out, as I said, at the uh, in their affordable housing units as well. But uh, yeah, they do addiction research work or addiction work and so on. So there's lots of different things that they that they uh, services they provide in the community. Mm-hmm. These things you did, the supermarket, the track for kids, um, you know, the modeling, sounds like it's fun, too. Oh, absolutely. No question. (laughs) No question. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Jumping around in a grocery store with a potato sack vest on, you know, really. (laughs) You've got to laugh about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, So how... Uh, how does your involvement with the House of Friendship help you make decisions regarding the business? Hmm. Um, I think it helps me with my business. It helps me appreciate the small stuff. Uh, it helps me appreciate that I'm doing okay. Um, I'll be fine. Uh, you know, again, I gave up a big income to to be a solopreneur and uh, and build a business from zero. I didn't have a background in the fitness industry, so there there's a lot of fear that comes with it. But but when I see what the challenges that people in our community have fa- have to face, it, it really makes me realize that I'm okay and and my business will be fine and. Uh, so I think it, it makes me appreciate the small stuff and enjoy this time in my life and not sweat so much about where my business is at what at this point in its infancy and and uh just just enjoy the ride. So it's creating a different perspective for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good uh, good way of putting it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um So how do your customers react uh to your to your involvement? I think that um, most people are abundantly aware of my evol- involvement. I, there's always a basket uh, at the bottom of my stairs when you come into my studio for food donations. And uh, I have other events where if you bring a donation, you get a discount off the price of uh, whatever the event is. So uh, everything I'm doing has a House of Friendship feel to it. Uh, so I think that my clients are well aware and um many have just got men have many have gotten involved which is a really cool thing they've gotten mm-hmm. very involved i just had someone sign up 12 of her coworkers for the fitness challenge so mm-hmm. you know she it just incredible 12 120 dollars of donations to this great charity because she just got involved so these people are just becoming more aware of what this charity is in our community um, in some ways, House of Friendship is very low key. They're not out there. I hadn't heard much about them personally, so I think that um, you know, people like me help mm-hmm. help just get others involved and get others, uh, you know, create the awareness. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not a difficult thing. Your your fundraiser is not a difficult thing to get people involved because it's ten dollars. 
Exactly. And that's what you know, I say to people. Yeah, it's $10. If you think of all the charities looking for a lot of money or you're feeling uncomfortable giving a $10 donation, this is that's all I'm asking for. I don't want, mm-hmm. you know, you can give me more, but I'm okay with, uh, you know, I just want 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I find a number, you know, sometimes it's hard to ask, you know, your coworkers, for instance, for money. But if it's $10, that, that's why I think, you know, your your clients can help. And, mm-hmm. and it's easy enough for them to help because they're they're saying here's ten dollars. And you're right; some people might choose to uh, to choose to give more, or and maybe when they learn more, they would give more too. But exactly. um, but it's it's easy to ask for the ten. So that's that's kind of cool about the fundraiser too. It is interesting though that some people. Uh, don't sign on because they're afraid they're not going to do their homework. <laughs> so they go, I don't have time. I'm not going to be able to fit it in this month. And it's and a little bit of me wants to say, you know, it's okay. You can still give me the ten bucks. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna check in. <laughs> but some people are just, you know, that the rules are the rules, right? <laughs> it's quite funny. Yes, and. I, yes, I think that you could still make your ten uh, your 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 ten dollar donation. We're mm-hmm. going to head to another break, um, and uh, and we're going to learn more after the break, Sandra. So, uh, thank you. Here we go. And we're waiting for our break. contribution that you dream of making. In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's Hello again. Uh, we had uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of technical difficulties there before the break, um, but we're here. It's all good. Um, Sandra, so did you grow up with the example of? Um, of a lifestyle, you know, where making a difference was common or was it something you were taught or was it just something that was inside of you? Well, I think it was a little bit of both. Charity, not 
so much in my household, but I grew up in a, a um, not in an affluent home, and also with a big family, so we didn't have a lot. And um, but I know I remember distinctly if there was a family in need, friends in need, neighbors in need, we were always there. And I can remember as a child walking around with a a little box collecting money for a neighbor that needed help. And I think that that was definitely instilled in us. And and at Christmases, if there was someone who didn't have a place to be, my mom, there was always a a spot at our table. So I think it was always there. For me, Mm -hmm. I just knew there had to be more. And I knew after I was sick that, you know, I, I thought more about what my legacy would be. And I think for for me it was what would they say about me and how did i give back and i've been so blessed and so lucky that i need i just felt i needed to do more because i could i had the means and ability so and i just was very grateful to have a great life and helps me become a better person uh so yes i guess there was an influence it wasn't as um noticeable but it was always there in my upbringing Mm-hmm. And do you think that that most people would um, would be blessed by taking a similar uh, approach? Um, absolutely. You know, hey, it just makes us better people. Um, doing good makes you feel good, and I think that it would. It, everyone should. Although I, I just think that so many people are so busy with jobs and obligations and. And people have gotten so involved with stuff. And I think, again, after I was sick, stuff just became stuff. And also 30 years in credit management makes you see a lot of people with a lot of debt. So I was a fairly thrifty person anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't like debt. So for me, I've had a great life and been able to, to, to not be in that situation but I think people are so busy paying off obligations that it's hard to think about giving back. Uh, you know, they get they get on that hamster wheel, and I think that I was at, lucky to escape that, and uh, and I have an opportunity. So, uh, you know, shame on me if I don't take the opportunity. And what could what could you tell people that um, about that process that you went through? What advice could you give people who are looking for for their fit, for their way to uh, to sort of bring it all together and make it all make sense. Well, I think the biggest thing is is understand your values and how they fit with the charity. Because again, if you go into a corporate charity that has union involvement or something like that, which is what my experience was, it just didn't fit with my values, and therefore didn't tug at my heartstrings. Didn't have the feel that I wanted to feel. And uh, so I think that understanding your own personal values and aligning them with the charity is so very important. And, uh, you know, seek help, uh, as I did, uh, hire a consultant. It's worth every penny to, to do that pro- go through that process because, again, I worked for a year in a charity that wasn't, I wasn't aligned with. And it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not that it was wrong. I helped out. It just didn't feel the way I wanted it to feel. I want to feel good about my giving and my time and my efforts. And it didn't make me feel good. And and this makes me feel wonderful. So mm-hmm. when you feel that, I think that that's that's the um, that's the payoff. So find 
how it fits. Find how it aligns with your values. Yes. Could you give us that email again um, for people who who do want to get involved or just want to send you ten dollars for the for the cause? Sure. Fantastic. It's s o h a g a n s o h a g a n at soulfuloflife dot com. And again, search Sandra O'Hagan. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook, and I'm pretty easy to find. That's great. And where can people learn more about the House of Friendship? House of Friendship, they can go to uh, houseoffriendship.org or reach out to me, and I'll give them all the information they need. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And Sandra- Again, there's a number of events that House of Friendship does every year, so any event, uh, especially the Christmas Food Hamper Program where they deliver food hampers and turkeys at Christmas, and it's a fantastic program as well that they can get involved in. Right, right. Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today and and, um, helping to put this in perspective for us. We wish you well with all your future fundraising and and all of the activities that you do for the House of Friendship. Thank you very Uh, much. It was fun. It was fun. At this time, I'd like to remind our listeners to tune in next week uh, when our show will be called Follow Your Passion, But Will It Pay the Bills? with guest Ron Beckett. You've heard heard it said, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Is that true or is it just plain bad career advice? Uh, Ron and I will be uh, discussing the realities of what it takes to make a career in music or the arts uh, and how organizations like Arcady help young musicians fill the gaps. Uh, Remember, um, I welcome your thoughts. Your comments, questions, uh, suggestions for guests, or ideas for show topics uh, on Step Right with Lynn, you can send me an email. That's lynn at stepright.ca, L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. Um, Anyone who sends me an email with their name and address will receive a copy of the book, Have You Filled a Bucket Today? I know that you and some young child in your life will love this book. This is Lynn Wedham, and the show is Step Right with Lynn. Until next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and your community. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on AtoZen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time.